to the Skeptic Wire. And this is episode 155 on the 26th of March, 2014. Not 1914, like I keep trying to write. Oh, I wanted to do a time travel episode. Yeah, we'd be time traveling into World War One. Yeah, okay, fine. But at least 30 seconds into the episode, we are about 75% more energetic than we were last week. Yes, very true. <laughs> very, very true. I'm your host, Donna Swafford, and with me tonight is Greg Perrine. <laughs> Gary is unfortunately out. He is working, I think, on his thesis because he's getting ready to present soon. He's being all academic and shit. Yeah, he's being smarter than us. Well, smarter than me, Miss I Have a Doctorate. Well, I, I actually got told recently that I shouldn't call myself doctor because I'm not working in the field of my doctorate. That is the only argument I could possibly accept for not calling yourself doctor. And I, I very rarely do it. I really only kind of do it not when so much, no. somebody cheeses me <laughs> off. And at that point, it's, no, you can call me Dr. Swafford. <laughs> and I use it as a kind of battering ram to... Right. It's not like you have a doctorate in fine arts or something like that. You have a science doctorate. Yes. Great. So. You did studying and shit. I did a lot of studying. I kind of have like seven years of my life that I really kind of don't remember, <laughs> actually. All I remember is that it was a series of books that I read <laughs> and going, okay, how do I apply this? <laughs> okay, this is how I do it. <laughs> cool. Hopefully, Gary will remember some of these last couple of years because that's most of what we've done on this show. Yes. We are quickly coming close to our i think it's our, our end of our third, third year, year beginning of our fourth year in april sometime so yeah. holy crap we're a toddler <laughs> but i actually i think that actually means that we're more like uh kind of old in podcast years i mean yeah some podcasts i would say it's like you know, nine years to one so we're like 36 yeah, I, I was going to say, if we're a toddler, then that means we're regressing because we our humor has always been juvenile. But uh, yeah, sure, we're old people now. Yeah. <laughs> Not I quite don't... as old as like the grandfathers of the skeptical podcast <laughs> oeuvre, but... We're not the ones yelling, get off my lawn! <laughs> Although I think Gary says that on way too many occasions. We ought to get sound bites of the famous people saying that. Get off my lawn! <laughs> Do you have anything interesting happen? Tell um, me about your week. Nothing really major, just getting back into the swing of things after having been away from work and all that. Oh, yeah, that, that, that W word. That big old vacation I took. I have gotten a suggestion from a good friend that apparently the long and scraggly beard that none of you listeners can see, but it's about, I don't know, five or six inches worth of hair growth on my face, is apparently not good. Well, you know, if you're ZZ Top and you're making millions of dollars a year, mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter what you look like. Same with Duck Dynasty. I mean, those guys, Duck Commander makes a lot of money, and money can make a difference into your um, 
How should we sex appeal? Well, the problem is that, unfortunately, that Duck Dynasty crew has ruined long scraggly beers for at least maybe 10 or 20 years, unfortunately. Because I've always wondered if I could go for the full kind of Santa Claus, Jerry Garcia kind of poofy beard. And I can kind of do that. And it was more of an experiment. But I'm a programmer, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, for my job, I just sit in a little cubicle in the middle of the building with horrible cell service and uh, work at a computer all day. So uh, it's never been that important. If the listeners out there have any idea of how I could auction off chopping off the beard or some charity I can do this for, that would give me a reason to chop off the beard. <laughs> okay. But the thing that that is one of the first things that came to my mind shows how mundane of a week I've had. <laughs> How about you, Donna? Uh, you know, Gotten I... Gotten any big arguments lately? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, work is going great. I mean, I've got this great new project, and it's going full bore, and every time I turn around, I mean, there's frequently times where I wake up in the middle of the night going, pinch myself, this can't be real, because work is just so great right now. Like, So you need some sort of automated pinching machine. Yes. But you know that saying of, if you love what you do, it's not really work? Right. I have truly found that to be the case. But with all good things, you know, the universe, call it karma, call it whatever shit I don't believe in. <laughs> uh, so there's the new movie coming out, Noah. There's been a lot of talk about Noah because some are saying that God isn't actually mentioned in it. And it's some, the story some, like, of the Bible. You've got like some Christians who hate it because it isn't Bible enough. you got atheists. Yeah, that would be... Glenn Beck. Yeah, you've got atheists who aren't fond of the fact that it's a biblical it's story. a biblical movie and Hollywood's still doing it. At least it's not like the claptrap that God God's, is not dead. God thing. is not dead. Yeah, there's been a lot of reviews on that thing, but we're not talking about that this week. So it, it's essentially a really famous story that has been told twenty times probably already. Right. I mean, it's the story it's of a, Gilgamesh. It's the yeah. story of all of these other things. This story has not only roots in the Bible, but it has its roots in in classical mythology and everything else. Now, I am a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I am a complete and utter whore for Darren Aronofsky and Maddie Libetek, who are the director and cinematographer of Noah. You want to see what it looks like and, and see what oh they can my do God, with the yes. shots. Yeah. I, I'm going to be really rude here. I am completely creaming my panties for this movie, okay? Because it is these two guys. They did Requiem for a Dream together. They did Black Swan. They did Pie. They did mm -hmm. The Fountain, which is one of my top 10 favorite movies. It is single-handedly the most beautiful film I've ever seen. So you're getting shit from people for wanting to go, go see, see a biblical movie. It'd be kind of like someone in the skeptical movement getting pissed off at you for going to see, well, let's choose a better vampire movie than Twilight. Um, interview with a vampire because it has vampires and vampires aren't real. Yeah. So that makes you a bad skeptic. Is that the kind of crap you've yeah, been getting? I literally have been told that apparently I'm not an atheist because I want to see Noah. For the five people who messaged me about this today. <laughs> so not one, several. Several. So for the five people who felt the need to message me about this, I don't know if you're listening, but um, I'm not taking your advice and I'm still going to go see it. One thirty-five <laughs> Friday afternoon. I will be reporting on this next week. Okay. And yeah. I'm probably going to still be in fangirl mode. I warn everybody now. 
I wonder if the same kind of people were pissed off at, like, P.Z. Myers just going to the Creationist Museum. Probably not, because he went there to mock it. Well, that, and but I'm, he also went to see it, to see what it was like. And you want to know what this is like because you love it, but he, that's his wheelhouse. He wanted to see what was going on there to talk about it. And you want to talk about it just because you have a love for those directors, but also you're interested in what they're going to do with it. Right. How biblical I mean, is it going to be? they had $125 million and to some of that is going to Russell Crowe's salary, but... Right, and I, here's the thing. I'm not a big fan of Russell Crowe. And if this had been done by any other director and any other cinematographer, I would be all like, eh, maybe I'll wait a couple of weeks for the reviews to come out, and then, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. This, I have been wanting to see it since I heard he was doing a Noah movie, because it is Aronofsky. You would have probably gone to see it even if it had nothing to do with Noah. Exactly. I, he could be having somebody read a fucking phone book, <laughs> and I would still be there. I His other movie, The Fountain, which I, could, I just said is one of my most favorite movies, it has serious biblical overtones in it. A lot of movies do. It's just one of those common sources of stories that is why people like Richard Dawkins say that people should read the Bible so they understand these common stories yeah. we all have. Right, exactly. But to sit there and go, you're not a good atheist because you want to see this movie. It's a piece of crap. I mean, <laughs> I see religious films all the time. And frequently, I get free passes to them. I gave away my passes for God is Not Dead because I had no idea until I saw who was in it. I was like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll go and see it just because, you know, I can snark. Yeah. But then I saw that it had Hercules and the guy who was in one of the Superman shows back in the late Dean night. Dean Cain, I think yes, it is. Yeah. Dean Cain and Kevin Sorbo were in it. Really? That does not make it appealing to me. No. So I, I passed on it. But I remember standing in line in college to go see Last Temptation of Christ mm -hmm. because it was a movie that I really wanted to see. People and Christians were pissed ass. off about that one, too. Oh, yeah. That was kind of part I, of the I, reason why I wanted to see it. Okay. Kevin Smith's... Um, dogma. Thank you. It's on my shelf. I had to go look at it. Kevin Smith's Dogma is a biblical movie. It assumes that religion is correct. It's satire of the whole thing and kind of it asks, asks questions yeah, about it. it asks yeah, it asks the questions that everybody wants. But it's a biblical-based movie. Would they be angry at you for going to see that? Probably not because he is a stoner. No, <laughs> whatever. So like I said, the five people who insisted on, on messaging me today, telling me this, thank you, but keep your opinions to yourself because I'm not going because it's a religious film. I'm mm -hmm. going because, well, I'm Darren Aronofsky's little slut and I'm the yeah. first one to admit it. You could, I mean, someone could possibly make an argument of, well, you don't want to give money to these kind of things because then people will think that Christian films are what we should make. We need more of what was the, um, what was the murder porn version of the Jesus story the with Caviezel? I think his name was, oh, um, the passion of the Christ, passion of the Christ, where basically Which, you got the shit beaten out of him for two hours. Yeah. And here's the thing. I saw passion of the Christ. Mm -hmm. It is a well done movie. Everybody thought that it was going to be uber popular just because it was Christianity. And that meant that we would have more and more Christian films everywhere, every, all the time. Hasn't quite happened. Right. Now, 
on the flip side, I do wish there were more films that got some press than, say, The Ledge by Matthew Chapman that deal with kind of the atheist side of things and have a conversation like that. Yeah. I do wish there were more films beyond Christianity, but well, you, it's you not know, the end here's of the, the thing though, is though we're starting to see it though cuz like the new show Orange is the New Black on Netflix, their lead character is an atheist and she's very out and very proud of it. And she says, and I'm I'm going to be quoting here, I believe in science. I believe in evolution. I believe in Nate Silver and Neil deGrasse Tyson and Christopher Hitchens. Although I do admit he could be kind of an asshole. I cannot get behind some supreme being who weighs in on the Tony Awards while millions of people get whacked with machetes. I don't believe a billion Indians are going to hell. I don't think that we get cancer to learn life's lessons. I don't believe that people die young because God needs another angel. I think it's just bullshit. And on some level, I think that we all know that. I mean, don't you? Look, I understand that religion makes it easier to deal with all of the random shitty things that happen to us, and I wish I could get on that ride, and I'm sure I would be happier, but I can't. Feelings aren't enough. I need it to be real. Yeah. And that is a nice, I mean, it's got a little bit of the angry atheist in it about the, the dead kids and all that kind of thing, but it is a nice, respectful, and strong pro-atheist argument where you mm -hmm. had some of that with Gregory House in right. the House series where you get these prominent atheist characters in series or some in movies and and that's good. Right. And then um the lead character in The Good Wife. It's starting to come out. It, yeah. It's you know, we're going the same route that gays did. Yeah, I mean, it's like when I was a we, kid, the only gay character I knew of was the flamboyantly flaming character from Are You Being Served? Oh. Kids, go look up that. See, okay, for me, it was Soap. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. That was, was it Billy Crystal's character? Yes, or, yeah, Billy okay. Crystal, and he played a gay guy on it, and it yeah. was... It was scandalous when it first happened. Oh, my God, there's a gay character on TV. Arr! But it was, like, forceful and campy. But then fast forward, what, 15, 20 years, you have Will and Grace was that kind of big moment in TV of, oh, my God, a main lead character, which is gay, and it's not campy, and it's dealing well, with serious, it's having fun with it without being, you know, making fun of gays. So, yeah, there's, there's some progress in there. Yeah, it really... I think the thing that happened with that was Ellen DeGeneres coming out on national oh, television yeah, that one too. on her TV show. That look where your neighbors were, we're normal people that confirmed bachelor down yeah. the street. He's gay. He's not. <laughs> Gays have gotten to the point where it just so happens that there's a gay character on the series and it it's not the main point yeah. of the series. And atheists are getting towards that where yeah. house was kind of. It was a big sticking point that it was an atheist thing. And Piper from uh, Orange is the New Black, it, she is an atheist, but that's not the point of the series. Right. So that that is kind of working more into the everydayness of they're just atheist characters. Right. So, so like I said, it's coming along. I think that in, in 20 years, and I, I hope that it's sooner, we're going to see atheist characters out there as much as we see gay characters. Mm-hmm. We've so, learned a lot of lessons from that movement. Yes. Now that we've talked about media for way too much. Yes. Lots and lots of movies. But <laughs> if we get you started talking on a movie, we know you're going to keep going. And you can go on these tangents but because it's a passion for you. It's important yeah. for you. It's like 
and I do Gary try and to I keep with them, music or something. Right. And I do try to keep them my 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 tangents and my rants at a minimum. But fuck you people, you pissed me off today. <laughs> Cause they're treating you like you're not a real Scotsman kind yes. of thing. And I pointed that out to them. Yep, that's scary. Well, what's not quite so scary is someone's birthday is today. And who would that be? All right. Oh, give me a clue. Okay. Although, hold on. I want to make one guess. It's probably not. Go ahead. It's it's not Mr. Spock's birthday? No, we mentioned him last year. Oh, fuck it. He shares a birthday with another well-known, logical person who we also covered last year, Richard Dawkins. Yeah. But this year we are talking about a woman who was born uh, March 26th, 1930. And I'm pretty sure you're going to get this by my first clue. Okay. She is very famous for being the first of something. The first of something. It's not Sally Ride. No. It's not Valentina Tereshkova. First of something. 1930. So that would put her at 84. She is still alive, as far as I know. Still alive. So 84, not... She is retired from that job. No, that's not it. Retired in 2005-ish. Well, announced her retirement. Oh, let's see here. Retired in 2005, so she would have retired at 79. Or, no, because that would be eight years. Sorry, my math. Bad math. (laughs) (laughs) 71. So still over... The only person that I'm coming up with on that stance, it sounds stupid. And give me another clue. Uh, It has to do with the U.S. government. So I should have guessed with my first one, Sandra Day O'Connor. Yes. Yes, it is. You're really good at this game. You should go with your guesses. It seemed too obvious in my head. (laughs) My head was going, no, it's too obvious. He would pick something more obscure. Well, I I am having to move slowly but surely towards obscure. And obviously, Sandra Day O'Connor is not obscure herself. But as I mentioned when we started this segment, last year we had Richard Dawkins and uh, Leonard Nimoy when we were interviewing Shelley Siegel. Ah. And I'm having to go back to previous years and double check that I'm not repeating somebody. Because, okay... Most of our listeners have kind of gone along with this ride on us and probably wouldn't be insulted if we repeated somebody. But we have some listeners who are new to us who binge listen to us. And if we mentioned Richard Dawkins three years in a row, that'd be kind of kind of suck. Kind of dicky. <laughs> yeah. Dickish. But yeah, she was an associate justice nominated by Ronald Reagan in 81. And uh, she was on the conservative side. But seemed to be a moderate conservative. For, for example, she wasn't a fan of abortion on a personal level. She, I think the quote is she found it repugnant or something along those lines. But she did not move in any way to overturn Roe v. Wade. She may have voted f- to keep, say, certain state second or third trimester restrictions or something like that. But she still upheld the idea of a woman's access to abortion was a fundamental right that should not be infringed. 
So she did kind of, she's one of those justices that always kind of fell in the middle and was one of the swing votes and is the first woman to be on the Supreme Court, which um, kind of sucks that it took all the way until 1981. But then again, we still haven't had a female president and we don't have a lot of females in the Senate or the House. But yeah, that's pretty much mostly why I mentioned her because she's a figure for the progress of women in our culture, but also um, maybe a conservative, but a conservative who is willing to listen to the arguments. Yeah. I have to say this. I, I remember when she was appointed to the Supreme Court and, you know, I mean, I was a kid and that was a huge moment for me. I mean, it was right on the heels of, of Sally Ride was going up and everything else. And it, here I'm, I'm going to get a little blase, a little, little sentimental here. It seemed like women were making more movements and more strides in the early 80s than mm -hmm. we are now. Thank you, conservatives. Sorry. Back to our show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's Sandra Day O'Connor. I don't have much more to say about her. If you want to read more, uh, go Google her. Yeah, and she's a very interesting person because one of the things that really impressed me, and this is just, once again, it's another aside, so... <laughs> is that when her husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she eventually had to put him in a home and he, you know, he got into this home and he got into a routine and he fell in love with somebody else. She very quietly divorced him so that he could be happy. Right. She really did put the needs of her husband above her own. Being realistic about what is actually... What was happening I, at the time? Yeah, one was not kind of trying to force something just because that's what she wanted or because of some outside force of, well, this is what you should do. It's like, well, it's just the reality of the situation that he does not remember yeah. anymore. And that's okay. It sucks, but I can get past that. Yep. One might call that progressive. Sounds good. And fortunately, uh, someone like Sandra Day O'Connor, even though she did wait until... Bush was in office to retire, so we got Alito and Roberts when she retired and the other one uh, either passed away or retired as well. She is not one of the Supreme Court justices like Alito or Roberts or all those kind of Thomas and Scalia and all those. She's not one of the Supreme Court justices who give me a headache. So not Ginsburg, but definitely no. not an Alito or Scalia. No, not so much. Speaking of headaches... Last week, I mentioned on the show quite prominently that I had a headache, and yeah. it lasted through the entire show and on the way home. Because we carpooled, you were mentioning, hey, you're getting sensitive to light, maybe it's something migraine-y. Yes. And I've never personally, fortunately, had to deal with full-on migraine headaches. I just get headaches from time to time. But I know it is an incredibly debilitating form of pain that many people suffer that, to a certain extent... People who suffer from migraines, I can understand why they might want to do almost anything to stop it. Yes. Or prevent it. I've had migraines off and on since I was 16. So I'm very familiar with it. I've also had very bad reactions to the migraine medication. All those ones that they say, oh, you take this at the start of your headache mm -hmm. and then take it. Those actually make my headache worse. Yeah. It's, 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 for some people, it makes it worse. And I'm all like bite me. This sucks. There, there's lots of different medications that are out there to try to deal with it in lots of different ways because 
scientists don't really know exactly what is causing migraines or really how to deal with it. Since there's so many medications that have plenty of side effects, you have everything from things that are just vasodilators who try to basically deal with it at a blood vessel level or other things that deal with it at a nerve level or just right. a painkiller level. There has been some research done into kind of electrically stimulating nerves to try to either deal with an acute pain or as a preventative measure. And I know I've read over the years of from time to time of some relative success with some nerve stimulation measures. And primarily I remember hearing about things where they would open up someone's head and implant a electrode on the surface of a skull near whatever nerves they thought were causing the migraine. So maybe they gave someone a fMRI and saw that this part of the brain was flaring up when someone had a migraine. There's a device that has been on the market in Europe and more recently in Canada a few years ago called the Cephali headband. I'm just yes. uh, C-E-F-A-L-Y. Probably cephaly, like hydrocephaly. Maybe. Which means water on the brain. Yeah, it is made by STX Med, which is a company out of Belgium. And it's essentially, what's the best way to describe it? A very thin Jordi LaForge visor that is not worn over the eyes, but just over the eyes on the forehead. Right. That has apparently one big electrode centered on the middle of the forehead, kind of between the eyebrows kind of area. Right. Because they're targeting the trigeminal nerve. Right. That That is one of the nerves that... I believe they have had some limited success with in implanting a actual electrode in the brain to directly affect the nerve. Right. Probably because it's my understanding, and I'm not a, a nervous system person here. You know more about the nervous system than I do, but yeah. Is that it's, it's a pretty high up nerve. It's, yeah. it's, it's easier to get to. It does. And it relates to a lot of the face. Yes. So this device has been available in Europe and there's testimonials and stuff like that, but it's hard to really tell whether it works or not. And that's kind of the broad strokes of the situation here because the problem with migraines is we don't know if there's one cause or multiple causes and what works for some people doesn't work at all for others and makes it worse for others. Like you said, with some of your medications, it makes your headache worse where... Yeah. For, for other people, it works wonders. Right. I have been through enough of the different headache medications, including some that had, you wouldn't really call them, I mean, they weren't life-threatening side effects, but, but pretty I- Pretty damn serious. I had one that literally torqued out my short-term memory. Oof. And I was working at the time, so I ended up having to write everything down and, and everything else. Like, And I was on it for two weeks- and forgive me for saying this, I was home one day watching Oprah and they had a thing about like the, you know, the top 10 worst medications. And that was one of them. And I immediately went to my doctor and I said, I'm having these problems. Is this, this is not normal. Fix this. And he took me right off of it and gave me narcotics. You accidentally wrote the movie Memento while you were on this Yes, drug. exactly. That was pretty much how it worked. And so I've tried the narcotics route. I've tried prophylactic medication to do it. I've mm -hmm. written down what I eat and when I sleep and how much I exercise and all of that jazz. Yeah. I have migraines of an unknown source. For some people, diet and exercise or whatever lifestyle changes can work. Maybe you cut out 
caffeine or something, or for some people that works. For some people, this cephalae headband seems to have an effect because this headband got recently approved by the FDA for sale in the United States, that people, they can market it as a, an attempt to prevent migraine headaches. Yes. Because there was a, they did a survey of about 2,300 or so users and about 50% of them reported that they were satisfied and had substantial improvement. But the other 50%, nothing happened. Yeah. And only 4% reported any adverse effects. And most of the time that was just the the kind of electrical stimulation, the buzzing on the forehead just kind of bothered them. Yeah. Or it, with some people, it gave them a headache, just the buzzing, but it wasn't a migraine. So right. it's one of those things where the the fact that it has no adverse side effects is almost one of those red flags for alt-med woo-woo. Yes. If it doesn't do anything, it might not do anything bad either. Because even something like Advil, which is pretty mundane, if you take too much of it, it's bad for your stomach. Right. So it, it's, it's... Tylenol, you, know, you take too much of it, it's bad for your liver. Yeah. And all of that does. There was an actual clinical placebo-controlled study. I don't know if it was blinded or not. That's part of the, the worry I have with this. That was done on 64 adults, and they basically had the treatment for about 20 minutes a day. I don't know if that 64 adults is just who was left at the end of the study, or that's what they started with. I don't know how many dropouts they had, or anything like that. But they did say that 38% of patients had a 50% reduction in headache days. But in general, the effect group, as opposed to the placebo group, had a reduction of on average, two headache days a month. So it seems like there was some significant effect. But yeah, it's kind of like this small little study. And it seems like what they were trying to measure for in this study, they had somewhere up to eight different measures that they were looking at to see if there was an effect. There was change in monthly migraine days having a 50% reduction in monthly migraine days. There was also change in attack frequency, change in frequency of any headache. There was change in severity, change in drug use, or just patients saying that they were satisfied or not. So as you add more of these factors in that you're analyzing, the more likely you are to have a false positive. Right. Because you're kind of just putting down this fishing net to try to find something. And with 67 people, eh, it's kind of really easy to have a lot of white noise in there. So it's one of those things where it seems like it probably has maybe some effect, but it may be entirely placebo. Because like I said, it's placebo-controlled test, but I don't know if it was blinded or not. And when the device is working, you have a prickly sensation on your forehead. People had sham devices, but... They weren't doing anything. And the only control they had for that was just to not ask patients how it felt physically to kind of pretend that that wasn't an issue. So I, I, it seems like this may be a bit on the alt med side, but not as it's not, of, as not as wooey as yeah. like chiropractor or acupuncture. And there is it's, it's actually to more be... similar to electro acupuncture. Yeah. But there is something to be said for the placebo effect. Yes. You know, if you are, if you are having a debilitating headache, 
and you are getting relief somehow and it's a placebo by all means because i've had those headaches yeah i've had the headaches where i lay in a room and no lights can be on and no noise and all i want to do is die literally just want to die I'm, you know, at that point, I'm all for that placebo effect. Part of the problem with this device is it's specifically tested and marketed as a preventative measure, not a, you have a headache, this will help it go away, because it doesn't. It doesn't change the severity of attack if you get one, and it doesn't treat an a, a attack of a headache at the moment. It's right. basically supposed to mean you have less headache days. That is all they are saying, and fortunately, they're kind of sticking to that. There was a pretty good breakdown of the Cephaly headband on SkepticNorth.com. They talked about this when it when it went to Canada in 2011 and also in 2014, March, when it got approved for the FDA. And there's a pretty good breakdown of the fact that the Canadian site linked to a whole bunch of articles that didn't necessarily have anything to do with the transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation principle yeah. that this headband is based on. So transcutaneous across the skin, electrical nerve stimulation. Some of these studies that the Canadian site linked to were things like, like I said, electroacupuncture or actually putting electrodes in the brain, which are not the same thing as this headband. So there is a little worry that maybe the company realizes that this doesn't do all they say it is. Right. And so, but once again, though... I, I don't blame you for saying, well, if it works for people, if it, it works. works, it works. The other side of this is what is the worst thing that is going to happen with a headband? They're out 300 bucks for the device plus $25 for the shocker unit for three electrodes that they have to replace every, say, one or two months. Okay. Now, chiropractic has been known to have severe problems with it. Right. Especially when it's used with children for things like teething and colic <laughs> and total utter bullshit. Yeah. But even adults have gotten their spines broken or been given a stroke right. because of... Like there's this thing lately about like amber bracelets and everything for little kids who are teething. You know, supposedly makes yeah. everything better. I, can't, never... I think we've talked about it on right. the show months ago. Yeah. It's not doing a harm mm -hmm. you're just kind of stupid but if it yeah. works for you you know what i apologize i don't mean to say that they're stupid they are looking for answers however they can mm. maybe they cannot afford you know a neurologist or whatever so they are trying what they can to it is only this. available by prescription okay it is one of those things as you say it's on on the spectrum of horrible woo it is low on the spectrum yeah it costs people money. The only other side effect is that it might encourage an idea of kind of, well, it sounds scientific, so I'll believe it works. Kind of like how homeopathy and yeah. chiropractic do try to couch their techniques and stuff in scientific sounding words. It's not full on kind of Deepak Chopra quantum stuff, but even so it... It's like how sometimes atheists will still argue with the liberal believers because it's still that same thing of believing in unprovable stuff that 
allows kind of opens the door for all the other really crazy stuff, the really harmful stuff. Right. Yeah. You, know, you know, after you had nine eleven, you had people who were like, "Well, those Muslims are horrible, but we Christians we're fine because we don't do that." Well, you still believe in wacky shit. You know, people making fun of Scientology and Christians believe in a talking snake. Yeah. Eh, it 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 opens the door, but like you said, it could be worse. I don't think anybody in the skeptical movement is going to file a lawsuit over anything like this. I think it's just, hey, have someone like Skeptic North, I think it's the, yeah, have something like Skeptic North write up something on it, or maybe one of the more famous neurologists in the skeptical movement might want to write a little blog on it. But beyond maybe. that, not the end of the world. Right. Maybe, maybe people just satisfy some other hobby. Exactly. Well, speaking of hobbies, there's an interesting court case going on right now. That I'm sure no one has heard of. <laughs> yes, nobody has heard of Hobby Lobby getting in front of the Supreme Court because they don't want to provide their employees with the morning after and IUDs. Okay. Is it also uh, the pill consortium? No, see, that is actually a question that I have because some of the stuff that I've been reading has said that their healthcare coverage covered birth control pills. It didn't cover emergency contraception or IUDs that would be covered under the Affordable Care Act. Okay. What this case is about, and there's actually two, there is Hobby Lobby and Conestoga Wood Specialties. Hobby Lobby is owned by a Southern Baptist family, and Conestoga Wood is owned by a Mennonite family, and they make cabinets. Specifically, they, and I'm quoting Washington Post here, the owners of Hobby Lobby and Conestoga Wood Specialties don't have a problem with offering insurance that covers most forms of birth control, but they aren't willing to cover emergency contraception like Plan B or Ella or IUDs. Quote, religious beliefs prohibit them from providing health care coverage for contraceptive drugs and devices that end human life after conception, end quote. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of misnomer in that, you know, because yes. it's always, oh, well, they're not providing any contraception. It appears that's not exactly clear. Right. It is more of a gray area than kind of your Facebook posts that get passed around. Right. So, and once again, I'm going to quote here. The questions that these cases are seeking to solve is whether for-profit companies have the right to exercise religious freedoms under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, a federal law passed in 1993 that states, quote, government shall not substantially burden a person's exercise of religion, even if the burden results from a rule of general applicability. If they do, does the government have a compelling interest to override it in this instance? Now, obviously, my answer is, hell yes. <laughs> because... What is between me and my doctor should not be between me and my boss and my doctor. Right. There's already exceptions for actual churches and even nonprofits that are affiliated with religious, religious organizations. Yes, but Hobby Lobby is a for-profit entity. Right. And maybe a lot of its principles are Christian-aligned, like the not being open on Friday, uh, sorry, not being open on Sunday thing, or, or stuff like that, but... They are not a Christian company, and a company, even though a corporation is a person by federal law now, apparently, 
it's not a person who has a religious right. And that's one of the biggest arguments about right. this of, well, does a for-profit individual corporation have the right to a religion, even though, hey, let's say 99% of the people who work at Hobby Lobby are Baptist Christians. What if they have like 1% of a mix of Muslims, Jews, and atheists working for them? Exactly. Do, does that mean that their beliefs don't count at all? Right. So there's, to me, there is, there is multiple ways to, to look at this. None of which goes for Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Okay. With that being said, with the makeup of our current Supreme Court, it really yeah. is a toss up. And once again, we're back to Kennedy being that swing vote. I really believe that we're going to see Sotomayor, Ginsburg, and Kagan on one side. We're going to see Roberts, Alito, and Scalia on the other side. And Kennedy is going to be that swing vote. What about Thomas? Oh. Yeah. Nine. I forgot two of them. Yeah. I know the three and the three that are pretty. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like it's going to be a five to four to me, unfortunately. Right. It, but, it, it probably yeah. is. Kennedy is always known for being the wild card. Nobody ever knows mm -hmm. how he is going to vote. True. Although he does tend to vote more liberally in general. Depends on the situation, but yeah. Well, the, the other big kind of thing with this whole case with me is really, I, we always argue against how dare you make a slippery slope argument, but this really is a slippery slope problem because if this Hobby Lobby Corporation can say, because we are Southern Baptists and we are anti-abortion, we are not willing to pay for anything that is a pseudo-abortion, like an IUD which prevents implantation. Right. Okay, fine. Even if you can prove that your company is mostly Southern Baptists, and it is a sincerely held religious belief, which is another test of trying to figure out if you can figure out. Why do you get to an, get an exception from a law? What about a company that is owned and run by Jehovah's Witnesses? Right. And they don't want to pay for blood transfusions. Well, and that's where Elena Kagan jumped in. She actually basically requoted Scalia back to himself, yeah. which I thought was pretty kick-ass. <laughs> and she said... So if another employer comes in and that employer says, I have a religious objection to sex discrimination laws, and then another employer comes in and says, I have a religious objection to minimum wage laws, another for family leave, and another child labor laws, and all of that is subject to the same exact test, which you say is an unbelievably high test, the compelling interest standard with the least restrictive alternative, which is a direct quote from Scalia in his majority opinion of employment division versus Smith. Mm -hmm. He basically made the slippery soap argument of, well, if you're going to argue religious freedom here, you've got to give it to everybody. Yeah. And then basically laws mean nothing because either you have people just saying they're a certain religion to get out of stuff or just how do you apply the law? Cause you don't know when to say you are breaking the law because you don't know who has these exceptions. And that's why, kind of broadly, we've always argued for the separation of church and state yeah. because these always cause problems when they intertwine. You can't test somebody's sincerity of their yeah. religious beliefs. On a, a related story, there was a court case in Britain, um, I think, well, let's just call it the UK because I don't want Richard yelling at me for misapplicating who's who. There was a senior district judge, Howard Riddle, 
who was seeing a case where Tom Phillips, who was a, I think a former Mormon, may have been like a Mormon bishop or something, was suing uh, Thomas Monson, the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, for basically breaching the Fraud Act for seeking money using untrue or misleading statements. So I would say that's kind of gutsy there. Yeah. So basically he was suing the Mormon church for collecting money, people's annual or monthly tithes, based on the teachings of the earth being 6,000 years old, that Native Americans were descended from Israelites, and that Joseph Smith translated an Egyptian text, and that's what the Book of Mormon is, and all that kind of fun stuff, that we know is bullshit. Yeah. We can prove that the Native Americans were not Israelites. We can prove the earth is more than 6,000 years old and that people died more than 6,000 years ago and all that kind of fun stuff. So, yes, it is incorrect, but this district judge threw it out and saying, we cannot start testing religious claims within the secular courts. One, that'll be chaos, but two, we got to basically keep these things separate. Because no judge would ever put that before a jury. Yeah. Because it would be insane. By the same case, this Hobby Lobby case, you've got to say the government cannot decide what religion can allow for an exception or not. Yeah. They either have to be, the law has to apply to everybody or not. And it's the kind of thing where I know Sean Faircloth, who talks at a lot of secular conventions, one of the big things he would talk about is the difference in secular versus religious child cares on being subjected to basically child safety laws. And you had kids being left in vans and stuff like that. But, but because they were religiously affiliated child care, they were exempt from these kind of laws and uh, safety checks. That's a problem, but at least those were actually full-on religious institutions that we just said, all right, we're going to draw a line here and it's just going to, applied to everybody on this side and nobody on that side. At least there was a solid line in the sand. But once you decide that these companies can declare that they have religions or not, it's going to be chaos. Yeah, I don't get that. A company is does not have a religious stance. Yeah. The owners have it. The company itself doesn't. <laughs> okay. It's not like that company gets up and goes to church every Sunday and they cannot enforce their employees to go to church either. Yeah. My friend Phil Ferguson of Skeptic Money fame, or at least kind of fame, he started his own podcast and he has a fairly successful blog. He essentially said, can a company go to jail and be given the death penalty for not following the law? No, then it isn't a person and it can't have a religion. Exactly. So it's it's one of those things where, I mean, the whole money speech thing of of the whole kind of campaign finances things, that kind of sucks. But it, you know, it's it's a line that has been created in the law, which I don't agree with, but it's there. It is causing more of these problems where more arguments just along the same lines of that Religious Freedom Restoration Act is causing problems of it was originally intended to protect basically people of native American religion or descent who took peyote for their religious um, ceremonies for not being fired from their jobs for a drug test. 
the RFRA was protecting people from their individual kind of, I want to practice this. It's not affecting the rest of my job. Basically making peyote illegal and not allowing me to take it is an undue burden on me practicing my religion. The whole thing of Hobby Lobby saying that paying for pseudo abortions being an undue restriction on the religion is going a bridge too far, but it's also bullshit. They don't have to provide any insurance for their people. They could just pay the fine and say, we don't want to pay for in in medical procedures that we disagree with. So we're not going to provide insurance. We're just going to pay people a little bit more so they can go off and do the state exchanges. We'll pay the fine. And that's that. There is no undue burden in this case from a legal side. Right. And I really don't know how they're going to get around some of this legally. I mean, I understand that our Supreme Court is very, very partisan right now. But they're the same court who struck down DOMA. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I have hope, but once again, and I will say this again, it appears that women had more freedoms in the 80s (laughs) than we do now, which... Or it seemed to be be making more conspicuous progress than they are nowadays, yeah. It, no, it now is, we have, you know, the one thing that, that a woman has done that everybody's talking about is the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow had a, what was it, conscious uncoupling with her husband or some fuck. They're divorced. Know. Just say the damn word divorced. <laughs> don't try to make it all wooey, although I know that's her thing. I, yeah, okay. I peripherally heard about that. So, But I, it's, it's one of those yeah. things, you know, it's women are to be seen and not to be heard, mm-hmm. you know. And you never hear the, the line, well-behaved men make the history books. <laughs> you, you don't hear that about women. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm no, no, it's, Sorry. It's, it's understandably angering. And it looks like you've got major organizations. You've got the separation of church and state organizations. You've got Planned Parenthood and all those kind of trying to push for protests and making a big noise about this to kind of not allow people on the Supreme court or just the court of public opinion to realize that no, we're not going to all fall in lockstep. If you make this decision to make one person's religion, Trump somebody else's decisions about their own life. It'd be, it's, it's like those companies that are private companies who say, well, we'll fire you if you don't go to church with the rest of us. Right. Exactly. And that's obviously illegal. Uh, I just, I, I hate this at times because it's this, oh, well, we'll give you birth control, but God forbid something should fuck up. Mm-hmm. God forbid you should have a heat of the moment. I don't care. You met some guy in a bar, had a couple of drinks and went home and just got it. Good. Sorry. One day you forgot to take the Your pill. pill. Exactly. There are many, many reasons why a woman needs emergency contraception. Mm-hmm. Least of all, at least, is in the case of rape. Yes, exactly. So for these people to sit there and decide, oh, look, I can discriminate against you because I think your emergency contraception, whether or not you are pregnant or not, not even a test can tell at that point. <laughs> Contrary to what people say, you don't know when exactly you got pregnant unless you are raped and you know you're celibate in the middle yeah. of it 
Or for some reason you've been celibate, you had sex once, and then six weeks later you take a test and you go, oh, wow, look. <laughs> you can go, I got pregnant on this day. Yeah. Most other people have to in guess. <laughs> normal, healthy relationships kind of have a, well, it was two weeks ago and we had sex on this day and this day and this day. Is it going to be in any one of those? Yeah. But it's not like Hobby Lobby can sit there and go, oh, well, go oh, we'll cover this, but we're not going to cover that. So you can go see this other provider for that. No, it's an all or nothing thing. Provide either women's health care, mm -hmm. take the fine and do it the other way. To me, this is a black and white. And it's not their decision to make. If they have, like I said, 99% of their employees are also Southern Baptist people. You are covering basically just their broad insurance costs, which means... You are covering someone just in case they get in a car accident or just in case they have cancer or just in case all these other things. It's you're paying this this small fee to kind of put in a pool of money to cover all contingencies. So not all employees are going to be using any form of birth control or right. pseudo abortion birth control. But for the individual who chooses that as their option, it's not like the company is paying specifically for that. It's just, it's a pool of money. And exactly. to say that I'm, I'm going to, the, the company is going to pick and choose what medical procedure I am going to allow someone. They don't see it as a medical procedure. And I can understand from their point of view that they have a moral objection to it, but they can't tell other people how to do it, even though in their point of view to them, it is murder. Right. And they don't even know if it is. That's the, the <laughs> point that I was trying to make is that they don't know if that IUD may not actually be. There might be nothing for it to implant. It is a safety net. Yeah. Once again, that is what Plan B emergency contraception is used for. It is an additional safety net to be used in case. It's not meant to be used as birth control right. It's for emergency purposes only. Plus, I don't know the specifics because I know there are multiple versions, multiple medications. But some of the emergency contraceptive pills are not anti-implantation pills. Right. Some of them prevent release of an egg from the ovum or at least delay it so that the egg never gets fertilized in the first place. Exactly. So you've got people like Hobby Lobby not understanding that not all emergency contraception are what I can understand from their point of view is pseudo abortions because from their point of view, as soon as that sperm meets egg and they have a happy little party, then that soul comes rushing in going, hello. Hello. Yeah. I'm so hello. and so. Yeah. Hello. I'm so and so. <laughs> <laughs> this shall be my name. So, yeah, it's. From our point of view, it is a unfortunate medical procedure that some people need to do abortions or anything that is pseudo, you know, you've got these, basically the IUD or pills that do prevent implantation. We don't see them as abortion. We see them as just stopping anything from starting in the first place. Yeah, exactly. There's a gray area in the medical terminology that people aren't seeing. I'm glad that they're saying, okay, you can have the pill. Or we'll pay for your condoms or something. But what else are they going to complain about next? Right. What? Well, you know, that was the thing. Is that I do I, I do want to make the argument for everybody out there. They are covering basic contraceptives. Yeah. 
And I applaud them for that because there are several other companies that are trying to avoid that mm-hmm. to for paying for the pill in any shape or form. Yeah. So I applaud Hobby Lobby the teeniest, tiniest little yeah. bit I, I give them and I give it to them reluctantly. But you got Southern Baptists who are pretty anti-gay. Yeah. So what if they say, well, our tax money goes towards the military and the military is allowing gays, so we're not going to pay taxes because that's against our sincerely held religious Beliefs. belief. Exactly. It's, this sincerely held religious belief is a slippery slope argument that you can no longer use in the functions of government approved yeah. things. And I just <laughs> lost my word. I had it all there. It was Services, there. laws, the exactly. whole yes. ball of wax. Yeah. But, you know, I, I want to add something here because this is a story that just recently came up talking about government services. Our friends, Dave Silverman and Amanda Kneef over at American Atheists, they recently had to go to a bank. It, then, it was just Amanda going to the bank to get some. I thought Dave was with her. No, he wasn't with her. She was going to just get these documents documents notarized at TD Bank, I think it's yes, called. Yes, TD Bank. She was basically denied service from her original person who was going to notarize her stuff. They brought in somebody else. Mm-hmm. Amanda made the statement of like, basically I am, I'm embarrassed. This is discrimination. Yeah. Now, at least the person, I'm not defending her at all, because I believe it was a female. At least the person didn't say, no, I'm not going to do it. Get the fuck out of my bank. They did try to find someone else to do it. Instead. They did find somebody who could do it, right. I believe. But the idea that you would. The story started with, oh, what are these documents about? Oh, they're for this nonprofit American Atheist to, I think it's for dealing with different state branches, that sort of thing. Oh, I can't do this for personal reasons. Right. And then they went and found somebody else. It was only after they asked what the company, what organization no, or- this was about, then they said, I can't do this. That is explicitly doing it because someone is an atheist. And because it is an atheist organization. Exactly. TD Bank is now saying that the person handling it didn't know how to handle this particular documentation. Okay, She's a fucking notary. She doesn't need to know what the paperwork is. She just needs to look at the IDs, make sure everything matches up, sign the stuff, right. get her little squeeze thingy and make the little seal and be done. Yes. And the, people the- pay their five bucks and... The purpose of a notary is not to understand the legal document being signed. They are a witness for a signature. Yes. That is it. And some people have made the argument that a notary, because they are essentially endorsed by the government and, and certified whatever by the government, they have to take like a one you know, day training course or something, and they are official. That is essentially someone serving a government service. Who is saying, I am denying you service because of your religious affiliation. Right, exactly. And so that's the problem that I I just I have with this whole thing. Is they were clearly denied for a religious reason. Right. Oh my god, you're gonna go to hell because you saw an atheist sign something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you had Amanda Kneef in her original posting about this. 
she essentially said that in New Jersey, where American Atheist resides, that notaries aren't required to abide by any kind of code of ethics specifically. And they do have apparently the right to refuse service based on whatever personal reasons they may have. That may or may not be true. I mean, like I said a couple minutes ago, they are technically kind of pseudo-governmental. So yeah. where's the line there? I do know uh, David Silverman has basically said we're trying to see kind of where the line is here. It, do we need further legislation to stop this kind of thing? Or is there actually a case going on here? So should somebody get in trouble with that? And as of press time for us right now, we don't know where they are with that. We just know that this is a really shitty thing for someone to do to right. someone else. And it reminds me of a few years ago of that gelato store at Skepticon yes. who said, we're just not, you know, atheists aren't allowed. You know, you're not allowed here. Kind of, we don't want your kind here. That's kind yeah. of thing. And essentially the atheist blew up Twitterverse and destroyed this uh -huh. person's Yelp reviews, that kind of thing saying, fuck you. How dare you refuse service to someone because of their religious differences with you. Right. That's what TD bank needs right now. They need to be slapped down and, Basically, they need to tell all their employees, even though as a notary, this person was essentially not part of the bank because an individual is a notary. It's, it's not, not a, the bank. I mean, she probably works at the bank, but it is to provide a service to its members. Yes. Maybe people aren't charged if you have an account with that bank. I know or, I've had that kind of thing as well. Right. She works for it, but it's still essentially a government service. Right. But I'm I'm more talking in the sign of TD Bank needs to tell its employees you cannot decline well, someone. You know, if for race, religion, you know, sexual, sexual orientation, orientation, whatever. Yeah. If you had flipped it around, and let's just put it out there: if a mannequinif was the notary, and say. Pat Robertson came in to have stuff signed for his religious <laughs> organization. And she said, oh, no, I can't do this. Yeah. I have a religious objection and went and got somebody else. This would be fucking blowing up all over the universe. And people would be all like, no, never. But it's because the majority of this nation is Christian. And therefore, you know, this whole, oh, we're part of a Judeo-Christian nation. Therefore, yeah. Well, there was a uh, – this The story, fortunately, is getting picked up by the examiner. I think the quote that David Silmerman had about the employee didn't understand the particular paperwork thing was a quote to The Times, which I assume is the New York Times. But um, there was a Daily Kos article, dailykos.com, which basically in its headline flipped that around, like you said, that yeah. this bank was refusing Christians and kind of – played out the story in one sentence to say, is that what happened? No, it was the opposite. And that's why this is shitty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're going to deny due to religious reasons for one, you should deny for all religious reasons. Yeah. I mean, yes, I understand it. Okay. Sacrament in a church. I completely understand that. A notary. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Pharmacist. I don't get it. Yeah. Do your fucking job. <laughs> It's all part of the both these stories, the Amanda Kniff notary thing and the Hobby Lobby thing is all about people trying to say that my religion trumps all other laws. And I know that a lot of religious texts 
actually say that, that the religion is the highest law. Right. And it means that and the laws of man are secondary. Or th- I don't have specific quotes or anything like that, but I know that is the emphasis of most religious texts of this is the highest, most truthful thing. And that's how we still have people like Ken Ham who think, I must follow the Bible no matter what, especially what it says about science. I cannot believe anything science says that does not agree with my Bible because that has to be the highest law. And now we have problems with Hobby Lobby trying to get out of following the same law that everybody else does because of their religion. Or they're really being dickheads and just trying to not pay for this contraception because of money. It could possibly be that it's mostly of they want to get out of mandates and don't want fines and stuff like that. It may not be a principled argument. They may just be not wanting to pay the money for it. Yeah. This is what I have to say to all of those people who sit there and bitch about my religion trumps all, God's law is everything. May I remind them of Romans 13, (laughs) 1. Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that must be ordained are of God. Everyone must submit themselves to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So, by their logic, (laughs) God's law created man's law. Get the fuck (laughs) right there. Romans 13. You've got kind of a render Caesar unto Caesar's argument. And also that, um, what is it? The family organization, which is that group of lawmakers that live in that house oh, it's k street or something k like street. that yep. and basically they believe that kind of the story of i think it's joshua that because even though joshua didn't do good things um or david or or, or um no noah was all, a drunk all, yeah all the well no i'm talking specifically about the biblical rulers oh okay of david uh joshua and solomon those kind of people they did crappy things they, you know, killed and raped and whatever, but because they were in power, that means they were, it's okay because they are God's chosen. And so you've got these senators and house representatives in the United States who are following that same kind of logic to saying, well, someone is in power, we are in power, so we must be doing everything right. And it doesn't matter if we do bad things like sleep with a male prostitute because we're in power and that means it's okay. Yeah, exactly. So I got really kind of off topic there, but it's still kind of, okay, you still have to follow the same laws that everybody yeah, else does. Yeah, y- you have to. You're and still on earth. You're not in heaven yet. You still have to follow the same rules that everybody else does. Yeah, so quit breaking Romans thirteen one. you know. <laughs> I know you guys like to selectively pick your Bibles yeah. quotes, but, you know, it did say, you know, governing authorities and all of that shit. <laughs> <sighs> well, I, I I think this has been a good hour 15 or so of just kind of venting. Yes. And getting getting that out there because sometimes these things really piss you off. Yep. And and when we get pissed off and we vent things and we talk about it and we get it out there, we learn something. What did we learn this week, Donna? So what we learned this week... We learned that Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman on the Supreme Court, unfortunately not the last woman on the Supreme Court, justice was born today. 
well, not today, like born today, because then how could she have been elected to the Supreme Court under St. Ronald the Reagan? I, okay, wait, I'm lost now. <laughs> Even I'm confused. Happy birthday, Sandra it is Day O'Connor. Yes. <laughs> You're thinking a little too much on that one. Yeah, I overthought that one just a little bit. <laughs> so, if you get migraines, you have three options. You can sit in a dark room with no sound, narcotics, or buy the original prototype for Jordi LaForge's headband and wear that for 20 minutes a day <laughs> while giving yourself a small electroshock therapy session. It also works for curing schizophrenia and manic depressive disorder. Note, not intended as a factual <laughs> statement. Wow, that was an old callback. <laughs> in the United Kingdom... The Mormons were sued. The case was thrown out because it wasn't filed in the correct jurisdiction. The plaintiff is now seeking legal counsel on co-op. <laughs> and finally, Hobby Lobby and the Conestoga Wood Specialties are before the Supreme Court arguing that they can't be expected to provide emergency contraceptives or IUDs. Would someone in those companies go back to college and take a basic biology course before arguing before the Supreme Court? Wait, they don't believe in the basic tenets of biology. So, yeah. Good luck with that. And that's what we learned. Did we learn anything about the American Atheist Amanda Kniff thing? Oh, yes. We learned that Amanda Kniff is kick-ass and she stood up for her rights to not be discriminated against. And I am proud to call Amanda a very good friend of mine. And this is probably going to blow up in Twitter and on Yelp. So please go and look up TD Bank in New Jersey, Camden, yeah. Compton. No, it's Compton is LA. They they are in New Jersey. They're a relatively local bank. I'm. If you're going to write them either on their Twitter or at their corporate office, remember don't be a dick about it. Don't go. Fuck right. you. Say I'm very displeased with how you handled the situation. Right. Make your voice heard, but don't be a raving maniac because that's not going to help our case. But the more stink we make about these kind of things and the Hobby Lobby case and, the, and that kind of thing, the more likely it is that people will kind of hold back on the stupid in the future, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. So. So that's about it. That's the show. That's the show. Oh, my God. No, 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 we're not. We're still going to do more shows. Yeah, I know. Because like, we, we got a we got a, a three year anniversary coming yeah. up. Yeah, we got to just keep going on this train of awesome that the Skeptic Wire is. The Skeptic Wire. So with that being said, I think that I'm starting to get a little punch drunk here. So I'm going to make my exit now. So we will see you all next week. All right. See you later. Bye. <laughs> I have expected to. You just kind of. Close your laptop and go chunk, 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 and close the door. And, oh, I came really close. I just, oh. Kind of a Simpsons joke of. Yes. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire.
is that the guy from Google or Facebook no, fa or Wikipedia um, founder guy no, thing? No, that's – I can't think of his name. There's another one. Hold on. Um, okay, yeah, I got it wrong, Harpo. What do you want? Hi. Because I think this is just make a really interesting – What? A, an aside. Uh, okay. So – Todd Starnes, who is a Fox News correspondent, was on a show with Rick Wiles. Okay. Don't he's know apparently either of his names. some guy who's who does a radio show. And Todd Starnes is not exactly known for being the most um coherent wingnut there is. <laughs> so Wiles said you know what Mikey Weinstein needs? And I'll say this on my radio show. I can get away with it. He really needs to be met in a dark alley by a couple of special forces commandos and given an attitude adjustment. You don't have to comment, Todd. I said it on my program. I'm fed up with that guy. Starnes replied, I have to really incredibly object to that. Wiles, I'm fed up with the guy. I'm fed up with the guy. Starnes, well, that may be the case, but this is a free country and individuals are allowed to voice their opinion on whether or not they agree or disagree, and they should be able to do so without any threat of violence or force. Okay, but he just doesn't express his opinion. Starnes replies, it doesn't matter. He's persecuting Christians. He is on a war against Christianity. That is certainly his right. The issue here is not Mr. Weinstein. And again, we should live in a country where people can express their views without any threat of violence. The issue here is whether the Air Force Academy and the idea that they kowtow to every single telephone call that they receive from him. Wiles, that's the point I make. And I do apologize. I do have to end this interview. Again, we just strongly object to the comment you made, sir. I didn't mean to offend you, Todd. I'm just saying I think many Americans are just plain fed up with this guy. Starnes. Well, I'm sure they are. And again, but we do have to end this interview. Thank you very much. Okay, Todd. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, I tried to five years to get Todd Starnes on True News. I finally got him and he hung up on me after five minutes. But that's stand up. I, I, he stood up for Mikey Weinstein. I was like, mm -hmm. this is upside down, crazy truth. So this was on a conservative talk show, show called thing, True News. And the correspondent from Fox is the one who stood was, up for. Right. Or at least basically said, you can't say that about people. Wow. Yeah. Well, he said individuals should be allowed to voice their opinion on whether or not they agree yeah. or disagree, and they should be able to do so without the threat of violence. And when this wingnut yeah. true news guy, you know, said somebody should take him out back and beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Guess what? I'm proud of that. He should, he should go the way of Imus. He should get yes. fired for that kind of comment. He should, but he won't. But...